Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, a family law attorney, will join us. She'll answer your questions. You're going to have to call, though, because apparently our text board is having is a little wonky tonight. So 514-790-0800. If you have questions for Maître Linda, you can use any name you'd like. Uh, it's anonymous, so uh, please uh, do so. Uh, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. I got a fu- some fun emails uh, having missed last night's show, and this one had me laughing. Uh, last night's Trouble Tuesday show was surprising, but nothing short of brilliant. Where did you find these two lunatics who so desperately need your mental health expertise? If you listened on the radio, you would think it was a presidential Saturday Night Live skit. They preempted your show for that. I think a reporter on CNN said it best, and she did say that was a SHIT show. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And the Passion Poet wrote a poem just about that, so I'm going to share it with you first and foremost. It's uh, bring a little levity to the, the program. Uh, there was Abbott and Costello. There was Laurel and Har- Hardy. We had Martin and Lewis, and, of course, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. We had the Great Blues Brothers, Aykroyd and Belushi, singing a song. We had our favorite stoners, better known as Cheech and Chong. A new comedy team has arose straight out of the political dump on stage last night entertaining Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Like two of the three stooges, each other they did poke, turning a presidential debate into a two-hour joke. Like two children arguing in a sandbox, loudmouth Trump and little Joe. I quote Dana Bush from CNN, that was a real SH show. (laughs) Thank you. You made my night. Uh... Yeah, that was stressful. I I was really stressed out last night. I I don't know why. I don't live in the U.S. I you know it's not like it's my country, but nonetheless, it was uh, it was very anxiety provoking to watch what was going on, especially with everything else um, going on. All right, I got an email from uh, a listener who says, Dear Dr. Lori, I cannot thank you enough for reading a message last week on the radio. I was able to have a discussion with my young son regarding sex and porn. I come from a very religious background, and my husband is also very religious. I do listen to your show, and at first was shocked by what people asked you. It is not easy talking to a young boy about sex, and he certainly does not want to talk to his mom about it. I do not know if it is easier with a daughter. We now have a closer relationship, and our talk is our little secret because my husband is not very open to such discussions. I listen to your show when my husband works evenings, and it has opened my mind, and I understand myself better in many ways. I'm happily married. My husband is a very kind, loving man and a great father, but I uh, I now know our religious backgrounds have made us a bit naive about certain things. We are Catholics. We both come from very religious families. Both grew up in very small, very Catholic towns. I have a few close friends that I can confide in and whom I trust. I was greatly concerned about my son's internet habits, but I have come to know he is just a normal boy, curious and exploring. My mind is at ease because of your comments and suggestions. God bless you for all that you do for others. Thank you. I'd like to hear the follow-ups of that. That's wonderful. Thank you very much for uh, for sharing. I don't know if our te- you could try to text. I'm not sure if, if it's working, but otherwise, if you do have questions... 
please, you can uh, call in at 514-790-0800. You can also email me to lori at drlaurie.com. So I'm, I'm here at window open. So then please go right ahead. I'm not sure I can handle at least 28 days of limited movement. Just when I was starting to get used to the new not normal, I think I will go insane. All my friends live in orange zones and I will be missing some very important events, a very important birthday and of course Thanksgiving. We are here because high school students who understandably gather, but the bars that are violating the rules got us here. Now we are all paying for their stupidity. How many bars and restaurants will decide to not reopen and just close up for good, considering the virus is not going away anytime soon? I've spoken to people who are very upset and in tears and just can't take it anymore. I was told suicide rates in Montreal and surrounding area has increased to unacceptable amounts. To me, one is unacceptable, but uh, an amount. Uh, More have committed suicide between April and September than all of 2019. Naturally, the Legault government not saying anything about those deaths. These measures may be saving lives, but it's time to consider a term no one is using, quality of life. Dr. Laurie, how do we get our minds into a better place? Help. I know I am not the only one. You certainly are not the only one, and we get letters like this just about every night uh, since the pandemic began, right? People struggling, and you're right, there's um, a rise in suicide. People are depressed and isolated. So when you're depressed, the worst thing is to be isolated, even though it's the thing you want. You kind of cocoon and and away from people and and what have you but that's not the that's not a the healthy approach so if anybody uh, you know you're reaching out to friends and you suspect that that the, they might be suicidal or really depressed reach out for help you know go see them like connect with them you may not be allowed but you may be saving a life and to me that's more important that you check up on people who you may suspect are uh, are suicidal or are super depressed there's also a suicide action um, lines that you can call as well uh, to reach out to people so there are people to help um, I read something on Facebook today it was a post that said um, suicide doesn't take the pain away. It just transfers the pain to someone else, which I thought was really poignant. But I also understand when people get to that point of, of complete hopelessness and helplessness, where there's so much psychic pain, like pain, psychological pain, that it seems to be the only, uh, the only way out, but it isn't, um, that's a, a permanent solution to a temporary, uh, problem, but this is why it's so important for us to come together as a community to be able to help those. So if you suspect anybody in your entourage that may be depressed or you can't reach them or what have you go further, uh, go investigate and, uh, and help. That would be, that would be the most compassionate thing that we can do. And we have to remember that we all have, as much as we're we are all experiencing stress and, and anxiety to one degree or another. Let's not forget about 
others. Let's not forget about our, uh, to be kind to others and, and have compassion for others that may be in far worse situations than uh, we might be. So tonight coming up, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, who you know well, she's been on the show for many years, uh, once a month, she, she gives free advice. I mean, where are you going to get that? So if you have family law questions, especially in these times, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of people not knowing how, what to do, uh, especially when it comes to courts and sending kids to school, not sending to school. And I'm talking about in divorce uh, families, parental alienation and how to get, you know, how to settle that. Like there's just so much stuff going around. I'm hearing it, which is, you know, it's sad, but I'm hearing it. So we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about that. And there was an interesting article about annulments also that I want to talk to her about. So that's coming up. Give us a call because our text board is uh, not quite working. So if you have a question, 514-790-0800. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight, Metra Linda Hammerschmidt joins us. She is a family law attorney who uh, is here to answer all of your uh, questions. <laughs> You're trying to FaceTime me at the same time, Metra Linda, aren't you? That's correct. <laughs> we'll do it during the break you got to do it on two separate devices that's right because when you keep doing it it keeps coming on my phone i know i have to do it to you uh you know technology what are we doing right um right so if people have questions uh family law questions if you're going through a divorce or you have some child custody issues or issues related to covid too uh in terms of that having an impact uh on on your things with your kids or what have you, you can give us a call at 514-790-0800. We don't care what name you use. You want to stay anonymous. That's uh, that's all good. Uh, I always ask you this in the last few months, of course, what's happening with the courts? Any change? Are they seeing more cases? Um, any... <laughs> They're definitely not seeing more cases because only urgent things are being heard. Still. Still okay. until the backlog gets over. And now with the new lockdown, uh, I'm actually surprised we haven't received a notice from uh, the powers that be uh, about how that's going to impact <laughs> the, the little that was happening already. Right. So uh, I can't really answer you more than that. Uh, however, so far I haven't had to deal too much with that, having either, you know, settled uh, interim orders uh, on the phone okay or uh, in a mediation so uh, you think well, do you think do you think people are more inclined to mediate during these times well I don't know if they're more inclined but they should be more inclined because uh, going down to the courthouse and standing in lineups and wearing the mask and whatever it's pleasant. Huh. No, I, I'm to sure. At least, and uh, if you can avoid going there one way or another. Right, right, right. Well, look, myself. Uh, sure, puts you at risk too. Five one four seven nine zero zero eight hundred. I know there are still a lot of issues. I'm still hearing them about uh, divorce couples who have uh, either shared custody or what have you, and 
the when um, school, the whole issue about sending to school, not sending to school. Uh, I read this on the air, I think, last week, where there was an Ontario judge. I guess it was before an Ontario judge, where um, the mother uh, wanted to send the kid to school and the father did not want to send the kid to school. And then the judge decided, um, that the uh, taking in the measures of whatever the government was saying or, or what they were saying that she sided with the mother. So the kid had to go to school. Um, That's correct. So can you explain how, I mean, this, you, this is, must be coming up a whole lot more now. Oh, I don't know about a lot more. That was the first case in Ontario that was uh, adjudicated that way. In that particular case, first of all, there was no one in the immediate family that uh, had any physical uh, issues, colds, or had any uh, chronological issues that would have made them more susceptible to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And also the judge uh, was of the opinion that since the decision to open the schools uh, had been made with the benefit of the medical advice that exists at this time, uh, that uh, and, and that because the child uh, that particular child was showing, uh, you know, having problems with being socially isolated, that mm. it was in the best interest of that child to to go to school, and that the, the the fear itself by the father is not necessarily, as in previous cases, is not a reason uh, to uh, change whatever the custodial arrangements might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that, obviously, in the best interest of the child. So. Right. And there's also the issue of, okay, so let's say the kid doesn't go to school. Who's going to be teaching them? Who's going to be doing the homeschooling, Well, well that's, right? that's another issue because if, uh, well, again, there's so many uh, parameters to how this can be because the parents, could be already at home because of COVID and their employers said stay home, depending right. on what industry they might be in. And now with the lockdown here in Quebec, for example, uh, that's more widespread than it was maybe in the last month or two. And uh, so obviously, I would assume in this particular case, it would really be odd uh, that, uh, you know, had the father been his point of view had been granted. Is he the one going to stay home and teach the child? Not obvious to me. And and they didn't ever had to get that far uh, in in the judgment because uh, the child was uh, allowed to go to school. Right. I did get an email, and I should tell people you could send me an, uh, your questions by email to Lori at drlori.com. I will we will answer them here with Meta Linda Hammerschmidt. This person writes in, "I love your show, and that email about the debate was funny and the poem hysterical. I live in an orange zone. My ex-husband lives in a red zone. This weekend, he is supposed to have our daughter. According to the rules, she is not allowed to go. Is this correct? Neither of us." want to get a thousand dollar fine i uh, according to the rules uh no visitors in your home that's what they're saying yeah but in a sense and the child is not a visitor the child is in residential custodial arrangement with one parent Mm -hmm. for a particular time 
And I would that's the way I would argue it if somebody was silly enough to give them a, a <laughs> one fine. of them a ticket. Uh, and uh, that's uh, not, in my opinion, uh, how the rule uh, was uh, set up to to uh, right to contain the the business. Talking about, for example, your cousin wants to come over to play Nintendo. That's out. <laughs> but <laughs> this is a school, and this is your child, and you have a judgment already that uh, says that you're going to have X time. I, I don't see that even though the, the person is in a red zone doesn't mean if they have taken appropriate precautions themselves uh, to uh, minimize the risk of uh, contracting uh, <clears throat> COVID uh, that uh, there's no reason for the access to not continue and in fact there have been judgments already since uh, this uh, disaster befell us uh, that said that uh, when parents had uh, unilaterally uh, refused uh, the other parent to take the child to their home for the access weekend, that unless a court has told them that that's going to be the case, they can't unilaterally change a judgment. Right. And that came up, I remember, at the very, very beginning because that was something that people were a bit panicked about and, and wondering, like, are, are we even allowed to do that? And I remember you saying that the judgment, and even I think Legault said it too, that the judgment supersedes anything else, right? That's Whatever. correct. And right. That, that on top of that, the courts do not want to be bogged down by uh, these particular kinds of cases uh, and that any and all other uh, avenues of resolution should be attempted before coming, and that the parents had to be even more flexible than they should normally be anyway, uh, given the pandemic, uh, to deal with these issues. Now, there's some, you know, families uh, from divorce that that's never going to be the case. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because they like to fight. In fact, uh, I think in this particular case you were talking about from Ontario, uh, that was already mentioned that uh, <clears throat> couples need to uh, find other tools to resolve such disputes than coming to court and uh, that they should exhaust those uh, <clears throat> avenues before heading to court. Unfortunately, I, 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 it makes me sick to my stomach, really, when I see how many people that I've known whose divorces, they've been divorced, but, you know, five years, six years, ten years down the road, oh, they're yeah, still yeah. fighting in court. Well, that's because that's the only way to stay connected. <laughs> that's a it's, good it's point. A bizarre, it's a bizarre uh, dynamic in that they, they want to be separated and divorced, but then when they're being separated and divorced, they don't want to be separated and divorced. And the only way to keep the relationship of some sort going is to stay in court and fight about everything for years. Well, I think they would uh, they would not agree <laughs> if you ask them. But often it's like some people are so contentious. It's uh, it's just nuts that and the the you when you think about the money spent and. and when they don't think that all this money is that is spent on courts could have gone to the kids to begin with. Well, they don't see it that way. Well, they should. 
Yeah, it makes, yeah. And, and in a perfect society, uh, everything is just lovely. And as you used to say, stop and smell the flowers. Well, I can tell you, these people's flowers long ago died. Aye. And are now wilting and possibly fermenting in the vase. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, I have a question for you. Am I allowed to record a conversation between my ex and my son? I believe my ex is trashing me to him. The legal answer is no. Okay. Because it's an interception of a telephone conversation. However, there has been a case <clears throat> some time ago. Uh, and again, all of these cases, you have to remember, it's the facts of that particular case in front of that particular judge, that particular date. Right. It's going to determine, you know, what's going on. I mean, because uh, in that case, <clears throat> I'm going to answer this question along, along, and if you tell me we have a break, you let me know. We have 30 uh, seconds. Well, I can't answer in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so then we'll come back to that. Uh, but I think it's a good question. The I think a lot of people record conversations as yeah, well, proof. They can record conversations between themselves. There's two people max on the line, unless you have the agreement of whoever else might be on the line to tape the call. Right. But, because what more than two people, it's interception, and that's in the criminal code. And when we come back, we'll explain to you the judgment that had a contrary opinion to that. Okay, and I will also share uh, our stupid sex story of the day, which has to do with animal behavior, but it's okay. No it can be fun, too. Uh, more with Maitre Linda Hammerstreet. If you have questions, you can send them to me by email to laurie at drlaurie.com, or you can call in at 514-790-0800. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt is with us today, but before we continue to take your questions and talk about recording conversations, let me tell you a little bit about trout. <laughs> uh, yes, this is some of our stupid questions, our stupid sex stories have to do with animal behavior, but uh, this I just thought was really funny. Uh, Swedish scientists have found that female brown trout fake orgasms in about half of their spawnings. Who, do, who, like, it's just interesting to me that people actually research this. Um, Eric Peterson of Sweden's National Board of Fisheries said out of 117 spawnings they observed, 69 were false orgasms. During a normal spawning, the female digs a gravel pit for the eggs. When she prepares to mate, she crouches down to protect the nest, opens her mouth, and starts to quiver intensely. The male then swims along the female, assumes the same position, opens his mouth, and starts to quiver as well. After a few seconds, the female releases her eggs and the male fertilizes them. But the researchers found that sometimes the female fakes it and doesn't release her eggs when the male releases his sperm. Peterson said the sperm have to be directly over the eggs or the fertilization rate is very low. He thinks the female fakes it if the male isn't in exactly the right position. Uh, and then it goes on to say, confused males. If she feels he is not in the right position or timing, she just stops the process. But the male is so excited that he misinterprets the female's cues and goes the whole way. 
he's a little bit tricked there. <laughs> he added that the male looks a little confused because when the female fakes orgasm, she doesn't cover the eggs as she would during a normal spawning. Instead, she may dig some more to prepare the gravel pit for the next mating in about 30 minutes. Boy, they have a lot of orgasms, these uh, trouts. Anyway. Quick recoveries. <laughs> yeah, very quick recovery. Oh, my, oh, my. That's got to be one of the stupidest stories I've ever heard in my life. Uh, well, that's why it falls under the stupid sex story of the day, <laughs> Linda. Come on. And, and I'd like to know how they know that that's what the fish thinks is fake. Oh, yeah. And only the fish would know if she's faking or not faking. That's some scientist. <laughs> ex- uh, you know, you know. Maybe, maybe she just is having an orgasm, but stuff's just not coming out is it an orgasm though we don't even know that like exactly. can we tell it's not right. like she's gonna say oh my god <laughs> under the water <laughs> oh my god. yeah right cannot believe we're talking about this but anyway yes go back let's go back let's talk about the law go around along. around yeah around recording conversations please okay so there has been a case uh, where uh, the court ruled that regardless of the fact that taping the child speaking with the other parent is technically illegal uh, it uh, is a, can be a relevant uh, source of evidence in a family law dispute what happens to the person who did that and if charges are pressed by a prosecutor would they even to do that who knows inside the family case, but a judge uh, uh, stated that any and all evidence that helps the court arrive at the proper decision is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I suggest that anybody runs out to tape the conversations of the other spouse and their children. Right, right. Because off the bat, it's not legal to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. But, it, Okay. Uh, here's a question. I don't know if you can answer this because it has to do more with what's happening in our world. Now, uh, my husband's brother is a retired university professor, and he was telling us these rules go against the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom uh, unless Legault declares a state of emergency, which he has not. Barassa did during the FLQ crisis, which gave him the power to do what he did at the time, was almost martial law. Where is the line drawn? We love your show. Uh, I don't know if you can even answer that question, but... Well, first of all, they're giving themselves power on a 30-day basis, and there, there, there is a law, whether, you know, <clears throat> constitutionally speaking. I don't know which, law, which uh, restrictions uh, this person believes is against the, the Charter of Rights mm-hmm. of the Constitution. Is it the closing of bars, the closing of... Of malls, wearing uh, masks, clothes, you know, <laughs> uh, wearing masks, whatever it is. But uh, it usually, even if there was somebody that decided to make a constitutional challenge about those types of restrictions, the courts will err most lightly on uh, the health of the many uh, versus the uh, proclivities of the few. Okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying that. 514-790-0800. If you have a question for Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, she is here. She answers your family law questions. There was an interesting article about annulments. The headline was, No Sex, No Marriage Rules BC Judge in Rare Annulment Because the Husband Couldn't Maintain 
an erection. So I want to talk about annulments a little bit because I know annulments happen within the church, let's say like a religious, um, I guess a religious divorce or something. Like how does it work legally? Well, legally, it's a separate, it's a different proceeding, obviously, from, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, getting divorced. Uh, however, it's much more difficult to get an annulment than it is to, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, to get a divorce, mm-hmm. uh, because except for, uh, you know, being able to clearly uh, prove that one or one party at least. Had, did not have the legal capacity to in, uh, contract a marriage, for example, or uh, if there was uh, somebody they were forced against their will. I think of cases like, you know, in places, 16-year-old right, child brides. Married, yeah, child brides, shall mm-hmm. we say. Uh, the only other recourse is this one that's in the bed. Uh, and... Um, so non-consummation, basically, of the marriage. Well, y- yes and no, because it's evolved over time. Interestingly enough, way back when, a couple of centuries ago, right? Uh, there would be an issue of trying to find out if, in fact, uh, there was a problem with consummating the marriage. And the couple, unlucky couple, I would say, uh, uh, had to go behind a very thin, safer <laughs> screen while judges or family or whoever were on the other side oh while they attempted copulation. Right away would seem to me to be a, 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 a hindrance. No kidding. Talk about performance anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway. it works in their favor, actually, because if they're seeking <laughs> well, if they the divorce. Well, they have an annulment, yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, and... <clears throat> and now, like, what about today's, I, I well, get it. Well, as I said, the really only three reasons that you can obtain an annulment are the ones that I said there was a... Uh, uh, you know, an old case, for example, uh, where they spent uh, the couple spent the first four nights of their marriage in the in, in the bed in the husband's parents' home, and of course uh, there was again an issue of being able to you know rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. But then, and, and uh, he wasn't able to do so. Uh, however, a ju- another judge refused to grant an annulment. To, despite a doctor's confirmation that a woman was uh, still a virgin after numerous attempts at, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, having sex. So, again, I come back to always. It always depends where you are, the facts of your case, who's judging it, or whatever. Well, and w- one thing that one should keep in mind is that just because you get an annulment uh, does not mean that you're going to... Uh, not have to deal with patrimonial issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, a court can, uh, in the interim period, actually either award support or or reserve the right to claim support. And when, in, if an annulment is in fact granted, <clears throat> then the support really can only last for another two years at that point in time. Uh, the case itself has to be brought within three years of the of the marriage date. And uh, if, excuse me, the uh, uh, the 
the claim for the support uh, hasn't been made, then you're not going to be able to make it after the fact because it will be you will be deemed to asking the court to amend a rule of nothing hmm. <laughs> if you follow it. Sort of. Uh, but what's interesting is I know of a case where a, a couple married and the woman discovered after the marriage that her husband was in fact gay. And, like that should be a, she should be able to get an annulment on well, those, that's I would think. On the, uh, um, the knowledge of the person that you're marrying and if there's, in a sense, fraud. Yeah, that I guess that would cause... Now, Sap told her he was gay and she still married him. And no. Why? Yeah, right. No, there there but was no error, knowledge of that. An There's error no. in the contract, in a sense, if uh, she believed that, you know, he was not, he was a heterosexual right. and the, she would have married him otherwise. But right. she still we, kept it within three years. We've, anyway. we've got Metra Linda Hammerschmidt here to answer your questions. Coming up, I want to talk about uh, why no-fault divorce. We'll talk about that kind of related to the annulment thing. And any questions you have at 514-790-0800. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. A few minutes uh, left here with Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, who can answer your family law questions at 514-790-0800. I apologize for those who are to text in because uh, our text somehow. Uh, so you can send me an email instead to Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, at drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, and I'll be happy to share your questions. So I want to talk about something, and maybe you could give me the history of the um, why we have no-fault divorce. And I'm asking this because I often speak to people who are, angry, bitter, and, and who, you know, who are leaving their partners who say, oh yeah, but my, my partner cheated. And because he cheated, I'm going to, I should get more money and what have you. And then I'm like, wait a second, you can't use that as an argument. I don't think in court to get more money. So was there like, what, what is the evolution of that in, in Quebec? Well, Basically, in the beginning, during the first uh, Divorce Act, which was only in the 1960s, because before that you needed to get a member of parliament to present the private member's bill to get you divorced. Oh, my. That would be embarrassing. Um, uh, there were many grounds upon which you could uh, be divorced, including obviously adultery and physical and mental cruelty, even being a, uh, in, like an alcoholic uh, seriously mm-hmm. over a period of time, disappearance, of course, uh, at one point or another. And if you were the person who wanted the divorce, you could file in uh, and you had to wait five years to file, and if you were the lefty, shall we say, you could file in three years. And that uh, changed in 1985, and they brought in no fault, and no fault, and we sort of take that from 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 the United States and television programs. But it's basically that all you need, you can still say adultery and whatever, but, you know, judges don't care about hearing it. Lawyers don't want to be pleading it, and it doesn't matter financially to the outcome of the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
<clears throat> so it's if you uh, no longer have the will uh, to to live together and the situation life has become intolerable that's it you don't need anything else you can't <clears throat> actually have the judgment rendered until a year has elapsed but you don't need to to rush in as as they did in the beginning of time is a my former <clears throat> first boss explained to me where you'd have you know private investigators running around in right. motels taking pictures and coming to court with that kind of proof and whatever thank god we don't have to do that anymore and i know that there are people that you know well he did this or she did that and i whatever you want to talk about it right you get, you're gonna <clears throat> unless it really impacts on the on the uh, custodial arrangements, for example, or if it touches on uh, some form of one side was more oppressed than the other by something or other, and it's more in the vein of mental cruelty at that point in time, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to have a bearing. And in fact, there's a uh, paragraph in the Divorce Act that says that <clears throat> a person's behavior uh, can't be, uh, you know, um, reason for uh, pecuniary uh, adjudication. So it doesn't matter even if you're divorcing because your partner was abusive. There's no, like, there's no punishment in terms of money or, like, whatever. You're not going to get That's any correct. more or any less. Huh. I know a lot of people who, of course, get very, very angry, especially when partners do something that caused the uh, the divorce, and they they want to, you know, they want to be able to punish their partner. Like they didn't want the divorce, they didn't want the end of the marriage, but their partner did something or cheated for years yeah, or, they or want whatever to talk it is. It. They want what? They want to talk about it. Well, they do want to talk about it. No, but they want to tell the judge about it is what I Yes, think. they want to tell the judge about it. But the judge is what you're saying is the judge is not interested in the dramas of these cases. They're just interested in settling it. Most aren't anyway. Maybe some are. Okay. And this text... But for example, in, in the Divorce Act, in making an order, the court shall not take into consideration any conduct that under this act could not have been considered in making the order in respect to an original order. So <clears throat> the acts of, and the behavior of, of the parties is not a factor for spousal uh, support or alimentary pension or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this person writes, I bet judgment would be different based if judges male or female judges age and how sexually active they are themselves just a personal thought have you ever, have you noticed any differences in gender of the judge in terms of of whether Listen, there are just as many female judges that will side for men as there are for if they will side for women so okay <laughs> maybe that was more prevalent back in the beginning of uh, of divorce uh, law but, uh, you know, but then everybody does, in the same token, come to the bench with, a, you know, their own biases and personal history and et right. cetera. And right. so they can't leave that to <laughs> back in their office. Well, this is why, like, often people will say, well, judges are supposed to be impartial. And how many times do people say, well, I have a great case and then, you know, it, it's like a, a open and shut case and, and I have all these documents. and, and But then when they go before the judge, 
It doesn't matter how good their case is almost. Well, even even well, what they think is a good case, and especially if they don't tell you all of the facts, but the other side knows them and you get blindsided, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> down the road, that's never a pleasant uh, thing. Um, and that that happens, I assume. Oh, yes. Sadly. Mm. Still. Sadly, right. So, oh, by the way, I just wanted to add in, in case people are interested in knowing that, uh, if, if, talking about COVID and going to school, there are exemptions for uh, that one can get for their child to not attend school, but it has to be signed by a doctor. Uh, a recent judgment ruled that uh, uh, a letter from uh, the nurse uh, in, uh, about the person's uh, immune system that could be compromised by, uh, you know, the child going to school and coming back with whatever mm-hmm. uh, was not sufficient and it wasn't appropriate evidence because it made no reference to the doctor and the doctor didn't sign it, etc. So, so it has to not- be by by a doctor, your doctor. That's yeah. what you have to get the letter from. It, otherwise, it's not in keeping with the rules set out by the government. Hmm. And it has nothing so, to do with the ki- the kid at risk. It's the parents because the kid comes home to the parents. Well, it, it, it's obtaining I'm... the recommendation from a doctor who establishes a link between the health condition of a child or someone living with the child and the risk of serious health issues as a consequence. Right. Oh, so many changes, so many changes. Oh, yes, and, and as things progress, no matter what's judged now, it can change, you know, by January. Who knows? Because I, I personally don't see how a lockdown of 28 days and then everybody goes back like they just did in, in the beginning of September. It's not going to have a third wave and a fourth wave and, a, mm. you know. I guess we'll see what happens. Well, well, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. Linda, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they call you? Oh, at the office, which is 514-846-1013. Wonderful. Linda, uh, thank you once again for uh, and, participating. Uh, see you at next the end of uh, next month yeah. on Thursday. And don't forget the date next time. <laughs> well, I was I was convinced in my head last week that this week was the last Thursday of the month. You didn't just have me worried. You had our listeners, some of our listeners worried. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate the uh, the consideration from all of our listeners. But it, was, it wasn't anything uh, It wasn't personal. It was just that I was convinced it was this week I should. You see, every day seems like like you lose track of the days, right? Like when everything is done from home, it's like, is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? If you were worried, when I woke up and I wake up early in the morning and I look at my phone and there's all these green messages (laughs) and voicemails and I'm, oh my God. What have I done? And Lori's texting saying, are you okay? Are you alive? (laughs) Well, I'm just happy you're alive and well. Thank you very much. Thanks, Linda. Take care. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Oh, wow. Uh, Linda joins us uh, at the end of every month, usually the last Thursday of every month, to answer your family law questions. So if you have them, save them up. She's happy to give you all of this uh, wonderful advice, which is costly. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening tonight. Uh, thank you for sending in uh, by email your your questions. Do appreciate it. Hopefully by tomorrow night we'll have our 
Tax Board uh, fixed up. Tomorrow night we're going to talk about fetishes, everything you want to know fetishes. Uh, it's a general discussion about that. Thank you to our technical producer tonight, Chris Aikens. You can connect uh, with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you can also find the podcasts of all the shows if you click on the Passion Radio tab. Or if you've got the iHeart app, just go on to the CJAD page and you will find the podcast there as well. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. Yeah.